Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and my brand new book, gut feelings. If you want to learn more about the clinical work that we do, the telehealth center, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open. And there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And we're giving away free signed books every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode, all you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcast and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review, or you can take a screenshot of that Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And we'll be going through the Instagram messages every single month, as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves every single month and randomly picking winners. I said it again every single month. <laughs> so as you know, about once a month, we have entire episodes devoted to a clinical deep dive. Many of you ask us, okay, what's the functional medicine approach on different issues? And that's what these episodes are about. They're called mental health is physical health. Go back to listen to previous episodes if you wanna learn about different, very specific conditions and a functional medicine approach for them. This is born out of our clinical experience. As I mentioned earlier, we've been doing this in telehealth for the past 13 plus years at this point of recording. And we freaking love what we get to do. It's a sacred responsibility for us to be a part of patients' lives. So we have one-on-one -on -one concierge telehealth. We have group care models for people as well to democratize this, to make functional medicine more accessible or more affordable to people. All that information is at drwillcool.com. But let's get granular today. We call these episodes mental health is physical health. It's, it's something that's been central to our work for the past 13 years. It's also the topic in gut feelings in a way where we're talking about gut and feelings physiological, psychological, 
the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and the interconnectedness, the, the crosstalk, the bi-directional communication between the two. And that's what these episodes are about, mental health and physical health and how mental health is not separate from physical health. It's one in the same. And to represent <clears throat> and to really give the perspective of the physical health side, we have our lead functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and clinic manager, Andrea, here. Hi. Thank you for that warm introduction. Sugar-free Leonard right there on the right of the corner. And oh then I forgot your, your boxer name, Candace. I was going to say, oh, please explain why you just Rosie, called me Sugar-Free Leonard. <laughs> Rosie the Regulated? That's or? what it is. We remembered that. <laughs> Episode, like about a year ago, probably at this point, we were like, and the ones and who was in the... Well, not that one. Did that. Wait, we, we got sugar, in there. Sugar-Free <laughs> Leonard. <laughs> we got in what? the ring. We got on the you right got, side. At least you're a woman and you got a cool name. Sugar I got Sugar-Free Leonard, Leonard on the right. I'm a little jealous of yours. I don't know. And then on the left, on my left, we have the feeling side of gut feelings, the mental health of mental health and physical health. Candace, who is an emotional wellness coach, and she's, we call her our clinical doula because she's the, really the integrator for a lot of systems to provide care, quality, mental health support in our telehealth center. So what's up, Candace? Not too much. I mean, I'm just excited to be here as always and chat with chat with you guys and talk about some good stuff. I'm excited about the topic today. I don't know why. It's not we're talking about constipation, right? <laughs> you just you, you, you just I, let the cat. That, out I just of the realized bag. how weird it, me saying like, "Oh, I'm really excited about today's topic." is when I said that, but I am. I'm excited She's to hear what really you guys have to say. She's really excited to talk about constipation, everybody. <laughs> it's part of the perks of working here. So yeah, today today's Everybody's topic, favorite topic, poop. Yes, we're, we're, this is a poop cast today, and we're going to talk all about constipation, very specific. Now, the caveat for every single one of these episodes is there's a lot of variables, and we won't get to all of them. We're talking very specifically constipation. What do we do? What's the functional medicine approach? So let's define it first of all is first, I think many people, A, don't like talking about it. They're embarrassed. There's stigma around going to the bathroom. Number two, the reality is what we want from an optimal frequency and formation standpoint on the Bristol chart and just understanding optimal gut health. It's really, can I say two to three snakes a day? I mean, you can be a little bit more conservative with that assessment and say one to three snakes a day, but really two to three snakes a day as far as the formation, what it, your bowel movement looks like, what your poop looks like, as well as the frequency of it. That is where we want it to be. Many people will go two, three days every other day without a bowel movement, or it's always loose or it's always sluggish. It looks like pebbles. Or I talked to someone yesterday and I hear this all the time, but I just, this is how frequent it was. It was just yesterday where she said, it looks like pudding. It looks like, it looks like soft serve ice cream. I've heard before. It's all, it, I don't know what, <laughs> if these people Google this to get very specific about, yes, I've heard pudding like five times this week. But that's the looser side of it. But on the yes. constipation side, it could just be, it could be normal formation. It could look like a snake, but you're going every other day. Yeah. That's still mm. technically constipation. It's sluggish GI motility. 
let's just maybe broaden it a bit. It's constipation slash sluggish GI motility, but it also could look like pebbles or stones. Rabbit pellets. Rabbit I hear, pellets. I hear that I hear regularly. All the time. You just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, but not funny, right? Not it's, funny. It's it's funny because funny our lives language. are talking about poop all yes. the time, but not funny that patients are going through that. And language is funny. Yeah, language is funny. The way that we can describe things like this, and there's just a human experience that we all call our poop a certain I mean, and we're unfazed things. by poop. That's oh, the yeah. other thing. I think people think that by when we start asking about their poop, they kind of shut down. I'm like, no, you need to tell me about your poop. It's, yeah. it's a good indication I of mean, your health. I mean, if I'm not talking about your poop within 15 minutes, I don't know you. <laughs> I mean, that's my litmus test for life. Specifically. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So what, what's the first, that's what uh, some sign and symptom. We actually have some quizzes at drwillcool.com about gut health. If you want to look there. It's on our application. I think that's good to point out. We have many questions about this. Yes. So as far as our health history, an initial consultation, we're asking lots of questions. So on on our health questionnaire, where that's what Andrea's referring to. Yeah. And I just want to add in, you know, if you are someone that has thought your whole life, oh, this is normal. I've talked to several patients that they're like, I thought this was how, you know, Mm -hmm. you you, because we're not talking about poop or we're not living in maybe as much of community or close quarters where you experience I don't know, you know, that ability to talk about it. I've talked Mm -hmm. to so many people that say, I didn't know this was abnormal. There's lots of aha moments during that close questionnaires and consults and conversations where it's like, just because something's common doesn't necessarily make make it normal. Just because something's your everyday doesn't mean you should normalize it. And if you're having a revelation right now that you're only going to the bathroom two to three times a week and you thought that was normal because that's what you've done since childhood, don't let this deter you and or worry you, this is an awesome opportunity for you to learn about that. These are check engine lights. Yes. Your body's giving you a clue. There's something going on. So first of all, let's talk about diagnostically what we would typically run for patients. A stool test to look at the landscape of the microbiome, looks at good bacteria, any bacterial overgrowth, any yeast and fungal overgrowth, digestion and absorption, inflammation in the gut, so different parasites. immune markers, parasites, protozoans, and leaky gut syndrome markers like zonulin as well. So those are some stool tests that we run. And we also would run, if it's clinically appropriate, a SIBO breath test, which Mm -hmm. a leading cause of chronic constipation and IBSC, right? Irritable bowel syndrome constipation is SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which we've had entire episodes devoted to that. So go back to listen to that. So that doesn't mean every chronic constipation is caused by SIBO, but it's a big percentage of them. And you have to deal with why you have constipation in the first place. Why is that check engine light on? And then we see, um, we'll get to the sort of vagal nerve component of it. So how does the brain impact the gut? The gut and brain are formed from the same fetal tissue. Most of you that listen to the podcast know it is a major connection. The gut influences the brain, which Andrew will talk about and I will talk about. And then the brain influences the gut, which Candace will talk about on the emotional, mental health side of things. So both sides are important. Then the upstream, like what came first, the chicken or the egg, depends on the case. And oftentimes it doesn't really matter. Both need to be addressed. Both need to be optimized for many people. So some other things that I want to talk about, of, I, I would say, without getting too granular, they, they are their own episodes. Sluggish thyroid function is one of the leading causes of constipation. So looking at your TSH, total T4, total T3, free T3, and free T4, low thyroid function is just so ubiquitous that when you're dealing with constipation, 
some of the tools we're going to talk about for constipation will alleviate some symptoms, but until you deal with what's causing the constipation in the first place, you're going to be go, it's going to be a bandaid at best. It's going to be a green medicine bandaid, which, you know, we want to get to the root cause. So we can use those tools within the toolbox for a season while you deal with the upstream cause, but ultimately what you don't have, you know, we're talking about maybe senna or like some herb that will get into the research around that. You don't have constipation from a senna deficiency. So why do you have constipation in the first place? That's our perspective on this. If you've listened to The Art of Being Well for any given time, you know how much I love Athletic Greens. I use it personally. I recommend it to our telehealth patients. If you don't know about AG1 by Athletic Greens, let me tell you about it. It is a simple, small, accessible micro habit that has big health benefits for your life. With just one scoop of AG1 by Athletic Greens, you can get all the nutrients, gut health support, energy support, brain support, longevity support that helps your whole body thrive and covers your nutritional bases. As someone that looks at labs for a living, I can tell you nutrient deficiencies can cause a whole host of different issues and you're really filling in the most common nutritional deficiency gaps with just one scoop of AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, adaptogens. It's basically a multivitamin, multimineral, adaptogenic blend, a green superfood all in one that delivers benefits like mood support, immune system support, sleep support, sustained energy throughout the day. I said already, gut health support as well, and so much more. I love that my AG1 is delivered monthly so I don't have to think about it. And I also get the travel packs. I don't miss a day when, when I'm traveling, when I'm seeing patients here at the telehealth center. I'm always taking one serving of AG1 a day. And all you need to do is put one scoop in a cup of water, blend it up and mix it easily and it tastes great. Or you can blend it up in a smoothie. There's tons of different ways to do it. I just like it simple, easy, quick <laughs> in water and it's done for the day. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a great time to start. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and also five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Will That's athleticgreens.com slash Will Check it out. Another, I would say less common, but for our patient base is actually not common at all, or it's not uncommon at all is biotoxin issues. So people that have mold toxicity, which can drive SIBO from, because it decreases the nervous system's output, it decreases the migrating motor complex, that wave-like motion between the gut and the brain, which allows these overgrowths to happen. We see a lot of chronic constipation and other types of, not just IBS-C, but also IBS-D and sort of vacillating between constipation and, and diarrhea. But um, as mold toxins and other biotoxins like bacteria, viral and mold toxins, driving decrease of that GI motility, which impacts the vagus nerve, which we'll get to with Candace. So this is another example of, yes, you can take these supplements and herbs that have exciting research behind it, and they will provide, res they will provide relief. But why do we have the first, the issue in the first place? These issues don't happen in a vacuum. So bigger context, health history and labs are oftentimes required. But 
Sometimes it's not a big issue. Sometimes it's just, we need to clean up the way that we eat. Not that that's not a big issue, but you know what I mean. It's not some massive, it's not a thyroid issue. It's not mold toxicity. It's not SIBO. It's just, you're eating foods that don't love you back. So I would start with looking at the foods you're eating, how much fiber are you consuming, which adds bulk to the stool, which someone that has a sensitive gut, you have to be judicious with and meet your gut where it's at. Too much fiber can actually cause too much bulk and increase constipation. It's not that you don't need fiber. You just want to meet your gut where it's at and not just the prebiotic fiber, which provides that fuel. You're allowing your gut bacteria to ferment those fibers and make postbiotics like butyrate, these short chain fatty acids. But you also want maybe some probiotics as well. Probiotic brings some things like sauerkraut and kefirs and kombuchas and kvasas and, and kimchis into your life. Be judicious, right? Those foods are strong modulators of the microbiome. I mean, I should mention first and foremost, hydration. I mean, it's many people are just not hydrated enough and that's what's causing the constipation. It's just these basic foundational things, looking at fiber intake, fruits and vegetables, looking at water intake, looking at hydration and moving your body. Some people are just too sedentary. They need to move their body. So look at foods. I would say other things that, that I see clinically, they're just basic stuff would be some people that have hypochlorhydria, decreased hydrochloric acid, eating lots of meat can increase constipation too. Again, it's not the meat's fault per se, it's the low HCL production, the low stomach acid production that's causing, basically it can be putrefaction of the meat where the meat's just not being digested. So we have to improve that. And same with vegetables and fruits, people that have FODMAP intolerance, it's not the fruits and vegetables faults. So if you have problems with onions and garlic and cruciferous vegetables, and that's causing digestive problems like bloating and maybe even constipation or IBS symptoms, we have to deal with what's causing the problem in the first place. So these are some basic things. Look at food quality, look at the amount of dairy you're consuming because dairy can cause constipation. Look at the amount of red meat if you have low ACL production. Fish tends to be better, easier to digest. And you can supplement while you're working on supporting your gut health, like supplementing with betaine HCL with pepsin, for example, or digestive bitters or other digestive enzymes can be beneficial. Did I miss anything there? No, I-, I think that you went over things perfectly. I think everybody loves when you refer to petrification. How do you, I'm sorry. Putrefication. Like, putrefication. <laughs> sorry, stuttering already today. Of meat in their stomach. I mean, it's always a lovely sight. But yeah. again, it's don't. Don't go off the you know bandwagon and start doing something crazy with your diet because you're scared of rotting meat in your gut. There is ways to fix it, but yeah, it's and it's not everybody has that. But no. some people that have really low HCL, chronic yeah. constipation, meet your give no, your gut lo- some digestive support 100%. while you're bringing foods in. The, uh, cook, cook your food down. Having more soups and stews, pureed vegetables, soft cooked meats yes. can go a long way. Foods are, I think can be very helpful for patients, even if they don't realize it. But you don't have to be fearful of food. I think if you want to segue into the mental health component of it, like what do we see with patients who have constipation? I think that is yeah, a good point to talk about. How does the gut influence our mood? Absolutely. And it, and it does. And that's where, to Will's point, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it the mental health issues? Were they already there? And then the gut exacerbated or did the gut create an issue that impacted how the brain was functioning? 
the body is interconnected very intricately and you cannot. And this is why when patients come to us and they're like, I just want to talk about my thyroid. I'm like, great, we can talk about it, but there's so many other things we have to talk about. And I just had a patient just yesterday. One of her biggest issues is fatigue and depression. She on our scoring systems marked everything a very low issue as far as gut health. We did start talking and we revealed what she thought was normal wasn't actually normal. And so that was a big conversation we had to have. But she was I I wanted to bring in the context of why I was even asking this poor woman about her poop whenever she was coming to me to talk about her depression and her anxiety and her fatigue. And I had to talk to her about how the gut brain axis works, the gut hormone axis. Large portion of hormone conversion actually takes place within the gut. I mean, you look at serotonin in and of its by itself, 90% of serotonin is produced and stored in the gut. And that's your feel good, happy Mm -hmm. hormone. So if you're thinking about how the body is working, if your gut isn't working operationally and if you're dealing with constipation, that's a sign that it's not Mm -hmm. at optimal health. So are the other byproducts of gut health working as well as they should too. And can I interject real fast? People will say, well, okay, does that pass through the blood brain barrier or, you know, and it doesn't, the, the, what we know now, and I mean, things are always evolving and changing as far as the mechanisms of action. But what we do know at this point is it seems to be the serotonin and the dopamine that are produced in the gut actually work upon the vagus nerve and work upon GI motility. So it's not that it's passing through and like feeding your brain serotonin per se, but the crosstalk, the metabolites that the microbiome makes, all the bacteria, as well as the improvement of the optimization of GI motility, i.e. normal bowel movements, work upon the vagus nerve, which is that master regulator of our resting, digesting aspect of our nervous system, which people with anxiety and depression and mood issues have poor vagal tone. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also not to circle back to labs, but this is something we also look at on our oats test with a 5-HIAA testing. We're looking at that serotonin component of gut within the oats test. Mm-hmm. But from a direct correlation from a studies, I think, I think that's really important to talk about is that there are a lot of studies done on constipation correlated with mental health. Mm-hmm. And I love that when we get specific numbers, because I think that that's great, but generalized, just so you know, it's estimated that one third of people who have depression deal with constipation. It's over a third, but this one particular study in, that we looked at, it was over 3,300 participants from age 15, 18 to 55 years old. And what they found was that 33% of them that were dealing with depression and anxiety had constipation. So there was a very large percentage of correlation between that. The interesting thing, it was more associated with men than women, which I thought was interesting considering large portion of our patient base is women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a study, it was published not too long ago in the Journal of Psychiatric Research. And it was the title, the title was sorry, the study was titled, if I can get it right, Transferring the Blues, right? Which Mm -hmm. tells you a little bit of right. It's going to involve, dare I say it, poop transplant, fecal transplant, which I've been writing about fecal transplants for years. Literally over a decade. Yeah. So, but now it's becoming more and more mainstream, but a lot of these studies are done on mice because they want to know the mechanisms. It's a lot cheaper. It's a lot scalable, a lot more scalable. And from a time standpoint, you can't get people to like quit their jobs and just, (laughs) so, I mean, the ethics are a separate reason, you know, it's a separate topic on this, but 
they found they have these bacteria-free rats to kind of get a baseline here. They were given fecal samples from humans diagnosed with major depression. And when those bacteria-free rats received the microbiome, received the poop transplant from people with major depression, the rats became anxious and disinterested in pleasurable activities, i.e. serotonin and dopamine. Their metabolism of tryptophan which is the chemical connected to depression, which is a precursor to serotonin, actually changed when the microbiome was transplanted into the bacteria-free rats. So this, again, it seems to be the vagal nerve connection there and the metabolites these bacteria produce. Some of these overgrowths, like certain opportunistic bacteria are associated with depression and anxiety and lower levels of good bacteria are associated. So it's dysbiosis. It's a bacterial imbalance, kind of weeds overgrowing in the gut garden and some like lack of good beneficial crops (laughs) per se. So that's really what's going on there between the microbiome mood connection. Have you heard about veracity? You have to check this out because did you know that hormones are the number one cause of skin issues, hair issues, and just beauty issues overall? And our hormones are all under attack due to chronic stress and the upwards of 85,000 chemicals we're exposed to on a daily basis in this modern world. So I recommend using a brand that is backed by an integrative health approach and verified hormone disruptor free, which is really important here, that will help you feel and look your best and get your hormones back in balance. Veracity's mission is to give people the tools to achieve hormonal balance because your outer appearance is oftentimes a direct reflection of what's going on in your inner atmosphere. Veracity's products create a system for balanced hormones and radiant glowing skin. They give you an at-home test. You have to check this out. You can actually know what is really going on in your body and test and not guess and get to the root cause. And they also have skincare that's specifically targeted in treating your lab results and supplements to support your skincare from the inside out to support and rebalance your hormones. They have a cult following with their products like their blemish calming cleanser that's gentle and first of its kind to address breakouts and inflammation without disrupting your hormones or compromising long-term skin health. It's free of hormone disruptors like benzoyl peroxide and salicylic acid and it's made with soothing sulfur and willow bark extract and their BioEvolve serum. People love this provides your skin the essential vitamins, nutrients, and UV and blue light protection. If you're looking at your phone or screen throughout the day, it not only will protect from sunlight, but it will also protect your skin from the blue light from our screens that you need for balanced skin. It utilizes clinically proven copper peptides to protect against signs of aging instead of hormone disrupting retinol. And their at-home hormone test, which I just told you about, Veracity is the first beauty brand to offer at-home hormone testing that provides doctor-validated lifestyle diet, supplement, and skincare recommendations tailored to your unique hormone levels. Visit veracityselfcare.com slash willcole to get 20% off your first order when you use code willcole. That's V-E-R-A-C-I-T-Y selfcare.com forward slash willcole for 20% off your first purchase with code Will Cole. That's veracityselfcare.com slash Will Cole. Use code Will Cole for 20% off. 
And it's interesting that you say that because all of the work that you do, you know, say you had a fecal transplant and you're like almost like clearing the slate and there's Mm -hmm. so many more factors to that. Right. But, and even what we do clinically with nutrition protocols, all the other, you know, supplementation, looking at labs, all of those things. If you get all of those things as right as a patient can, and you're almost implanting them in a system that is still dysregulated without mm-hmm. addressing the the mental health piece of this, mm-hmm. it's what like planting good seed on soil that is yeah. corrupt or in, in conditions that aren't going to work. Cause yeah. wouldn't it, so this is, I'm asking clinically, like if you have these situations, can chronic stress or, or nervous system dysregulation overall, like really undo a lot of the good things that patients are doing? Yeah. It's 100%. the other side of that coin, right? And the more stress, cause if you're doing things that are supportive of, from a physiological side of supportive of gut mood, microbiome mood axis, chronic stress will be perpetual, like going upstream. It'd be the saboteur counterproductive. So both the gut and the feelings, the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual have to be addressed. There was another study. It was published in nature communications, found a depletion of something called, which we don't ever really talk about it, eubacterium ventriosum, specific type of bacteria among people who were depressed. So we're just scratching the surface of like these correlations, causations of what's at play here. But interestingly, the same decrease of that eubacterium bacteria has been spotted in microbiome studies of people with traumatic brain injuries Mm -hmm. and obesity, people that are overweight, both of which are tied to depression. So supporting the notion that this species of bacteria has something to do with this mood disorder, basically. So what came first, the chicken or the egg again? Yeah. I think both both and, not either or, yes. is really where the answer lies. But let's talk about some science-backed ways people can support GI motility. Senna is probably one that people are most aware of. One systematic review of seven trials, like I'm looking at, Seven different trials, is, 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 all in all, included 444 patients found that Senna was as superior or more superior than other laxatives for chronic constipation. It's what's in a lot of over-the-counter constipation support. If you read the back label, you'll see Senna on there. And we use it sometimes clinically. Again, it's a tool within the toolbox, but my bigger thought is what's causing the constipation in the first place. Yes. Psyllium husk is a soluble fiber that has a lot of, I love psyllium. I have it almost every day. I will add a tablespoon or so of psyllium husk into water just to up my fiber intake. I don't have chronic constipation, but it is just great from a microbiome diversity. It's a prebiotic fiber for allowing to support bacterial diversity, which is typically what we want. We don't want overgrowth, but we want healthy colony forming units of the good bacteria. It creates like a gel-like substance. People are like familiar with like Metamucil, which I don't, I think Metamucil is just psyllium musk, right? I mean, I'm not, don't quote me on that. I don't recommend just go and get Metamucil, but I think it is. No, I think there's sugar in Maybe there. Maybe some added, of course, some, there's of some course. Ad, yeah, and you can even get, I think, like sugar-free Metamucil, but Which then it's Which probably the, has an artificial sweetener yeah, in it. So then, yeah. I don't know about, I'll stop. Not yeah. great for mental health train. then. No <laughs> shade to Metamucil, like fine, but I would say I would recommend just getting plain old psyllium husk. Which is easy. I think that's available very cheap, almost everywhere. Very available. Yes. And it can be helpful. Andrea mentioned magnesium. Yes. Most people are, when we look at this on- we look at magnesium red blood cells on labs. Magnesium is deficient in most people. The body doesn't store much of it. It's responsible for hundreds of different 
pathways, but it also, so I would say magnesium is good for a number of neurological gut brain reasons. Including anxiety and depression. I would say bring magnesium regardless, whether you have constipation or not, people should be eating magnesium rich foods and consider supplementing with a clean bioavailable source of magnesium. And there's a lot of different types of magnesiums that do different things too. Yeah. Some are more stimulative than others. Like the classic one is the magnesium citrate or citrate that that will be the natural calm, right? Yes. That's the brand. Everybody knows natural calm, natural vitality. I I feel like every single new patient we meet has like a bottle of natural calm and they're used typically taking it for sluggish GI motility. Yes. And for all of these, I want to just interject with this. More isn't always better. And and then you see people that are chronically, chronically constipated. They take things like magnesium yeah. or vitamin C, which also has a stimulative effect. And they're like, then they're chronically having looser stools. That's not good either. Right. So you have to find a sweet spot. One, two to three snakes a day. Two to three snakes a day. You don't want like seven to eight pudding servings a day. <laughs> or soft serve. Or soft serve. I'm and, thinking of the frozen yogurt an, places where oh you add gosh. the toppings. Now I've oh gone boy. down. A, I've gone down. A, a but path. also, I think that urgency is another big sign. If yes. you're if, you, if you're having urgency and having to run to the restroom, you've yeah. probably overdone it. If on the you magnesium. know where all the bathrooms are at any given location, I have to. I do know that, but that's because I pee a lot and I drink lots of water and tea. Yes, we call it pee. But it's not an urgency thing. No, it's not. And that's let's it, get it, that clear. Let's get that clear, guys. <laughs> So I think so Perish the to thought. your point, I do think that if we're talking magnesium, there are things that can help with, like you said, the citrate or the citrate are great for that, but be gentle with it. And then there's magnesium rich foods and then the senna. Yeah. What are some magnesium rich foods? The so nuts and seeds, if you tolerate them, yeah. you can soak, sprouted, lots of vegetables have magnesium in them. Shellfish, seafood can have some magnesium yeah, tuna, in Tuna, definitely. Spinach. Again, but... Th- yeah. Don't take this for what it is and then run away with it and be like, well, this thing causes me hives. Use it what you need to do. But almonds, to your point, are really good with that, that as well. Yeah. If you, um, have squashes. Any, if you have any allergies to these, don't have them. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> these are some foods. If you want to use food as medicine, focus on that. Prunes, of course, the, like everyone talks about, there was one eight-week randomized trial of 40 constipated people. They were given either prune or psyllium. And researchers found that prunes are actually more effective than psyllium for mild to moderate constipations. Patients also reported the prunes were more enjoyable. That's a surprise than having a, a glass of gel water from psyllium. <laughs> uh, of course, some fruit juice is going to be more appeal, you know, appealing. But that's the point. Psyllium husk can add too much bulk. For someone that's already prone to constipation, yeah. be judicious with fiber. You need fiber. Less than 25 grams of fiber per, per day is associated with increased rates of constipation, but more isn't always better. So work with your body and the types of fiber matter too. And if you want to talk about studies with comparisons again of what works, just to circle back to your study or your talk about the Senna versus the magnesium, there was a placebo controlled trial that they did where they took 90 patients and utilized both of these. The results were remarkably the same. The Senna group had a 69% improvement and the magnesium had a 68% improvement. Wow. Interesting. And fats are another thing that we see. If you want to focus on food and like bringing fats into your diet, that's a thing that can help as well. And we optimize that from a clinical nutrition standpoint when you look at macronutrients, but something like olive oil, there's a study that shows it was a four-week randomized control trial, RCT, found that 50 constipated adults were given either olive oil, flaxseed oil, or mineral oil. 
all three treatments improved constipation symptoms. So flaxseed oil, just like yes. flax seeds, even it has fiber too, but these omega fats that are in flax seeds and chia seeds, I have seen be very helpful for people that have chronic constipation and olive oil and ghee and other types of oils. I mean, MCT oil is very, very stimulative. So start off low and slow with these things, but medium chain triglyceride oils that people add to their tea or coffee yeah. or, you know, and smoothies that can also increase GI motility too. Please don't do all of those things at one time. <laughs> yeah, don't. We've had patients do that. Do not yes. do that. Some people that have chronic constipation, they're just desperate. Yes. Start off low and slow. Don't be desperate here. And you can see the bowel changes with this too. So you can see if you're adding more fats, there can be look like more mucus around it. If you're doing too much magnesium or sun, it can become really loose. So if you're noticing more constipation, just be mindful, low and slow, like Dr. Will said. Yes. And start with one. Yes. Start with one of the, these ideas. Not all of them. Start with one. Start off low and slow till you get two to three snakes a day. And focus on food first. Supplements yes. should happen after that. Yeah, I agree. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Now get 20% off every IQ Bar product plus free shipping when you text ABW to 64000. Many telehealth patients and people on social media, honestly, they ask me what are my favorite accessible, delicious snacks they can have on the go. One that I've loved for a long time is IQ Bar. IQ Bar fits every diet, whether you're vegan, keto, paleo, high carb, low carb, gluten-free, doesn't matter. It really checks all the boxes. IQ Bar is packed with plant protein, brain-supporting nutrients, and fiber. And there's next to no sugar or net carbs in the IQ Bar. IQ Bar is great for your brain. It's formulated with six key nutrients shown to support cognitive function, energy, performance, and health. So no more midday slump in energy. IQ Bar is delicious, crash-free breakfast or afternoon snack that will help you win your day. And IQ Bar is also great for your body because it's packed with plant protein for strong muscles, prebiotic fiber for a happy, healthy gut, and healthy fats for clean, crash-free energy as well. IQ Bar is holistic and natural. It's made with real food, not chemicals. It's loaded with these amazing plant proteins, prebiotic fibers, healthy fats, but also functional nutrients like lion's mane, this amazing medicinal mushroom, adaptogenic mushroom that I've used clinically with telehealth patients for years, has so much exciting science around it as far as supporting energy and brain function and supporting a healthy immune system. IQ Bar comes in seven mouthwatering flavors like toasted coconut chip, almond butter chip, peanut butter chip, my favorite, and also banana nut. You won't believe how great these things taste, especially considering they have next to no sugar or net carbs. Now get 20% off all IQ Bar products, plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text ABW to 64000. Get your discount. Text ABW to 64000. That's ABW to 64,000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Let's go to the feeling side of yeah. gut feelings, the, the mental, emotional health, spiritual health of, because we could be doing all this stuff, right? Yeah. We could be eating good foods. We could be taking these things and we're going to see changes, right? As someone that has chronic constipation, but maybe it's the brain influencing the gut and we need 
to improve vagal tone or work on our nervous system regulation to deal with this chronic constipation. So what are your thoughts on this, Candice? Yeah, I think the first thing here, you she said vagal tone. I think we need to define what vagal tone is and sort of understand it first. Yeah. So, you know, vagal, the vagus nerve is responsible for regulating all the various bodily functions, heart rate, digestion, respiration, emotional responses. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. So when vagal tone is low or it's vagal tone really refers to like the resiliency or like readiness of your, of your vagus nerve. So it's ability to sort of interpret the signals that the gut is giving and then the, you know, the brain back down. Cause it's it's that communication pathway. So it's readiness, it's adaptability. That's what we're sort of referring to as vagal tone. And you want your vagal tone, you want your vagal tone a little higher than, than low. Mm -hmm. And vagal tone, you should know too, it's an individual trait, right? So for people wearing the wearables that are tracking heart rate variability, that's a nice way to personally look at your vagal tone and kind of track it over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, understanding that first, because when you have low vagal tone, it's going to impact gut motility, but it also, you know, you're going to have difficulties with emotional regulation. You're going to have all kinds of heightened emotional reactivity as well. So like your ability to manage stress is impacted there too. So you have to understand why are we working on vagal tone? What well, can be really your best friend when combined with one of these tools, right? Mm -hmm. So you're talking about those tools. You can pick one and then I would say make it a priority and decide that you're going to prioritize vagal tone along with it or stack it. So the first thing I would say is for a lot of people to not overwhelm you and, and you know, almost perseverate on vagal tone and, and look at your heart rate variability almost obsessively is simply to recognize when you're doing things that are supporting vagal tone, mm -hmm. because there's lots of things that support it. Lots of people are into like ice baths now, or even doing the facial cold plunges. Those are really great ways to stimulate the vagus nerve and they're free. Mm -hmm. There are also devices, I don't know, and Dr. Cole and Andrea, I don't know if you have any recommendations. Do you recommend any of the vagal nerve stimulation devices to patients ever? Yeah, yeah we, we do. Absolutely do. There's an ear one, don't quote me on any of the brand names, but there's a one that goes on your ear that we've seen success with, with some patients that are looking to support vagal nerve tone. Look, I think a lot of these free and low cost practical things are first, but I think that overall there's a lot of vagal nerve stimulation or vagal nerve supporting device that could be helpful. Yeah. So there's a time and a place, but there are so many other aspects. So just regular exercise supports vagal tone. It really, mm -hmm. really does. Group meditation experiences, anything that you're doing in a group socially, that is sort of like that collective. So like, a, I don't want to just say a regular yoga class. I, I think it's something that you have to be intentional to be more into the community aspect, mm -hmm. but those are very, very supportive of vagal tone. And then here's another, you know, so Vague, the vagus nerve also plays a huge role with our social communications. Mm -hmm. And so I want to say we are seeing a little bit more of these symptoms because our time interacting with individuals face to face is being reduced. Mm. And there's a myriad of reasons why, like there's so many reasons why our face to face interactions are being reduced, but we have to recognize that also has an impact on vagal tone. Yeah. So this is going to sound a little silly, but I think it's really practical if you're going to do, okay, I'm going to pick facial ice bath, for instance, why not commit to do it with a friend and then like maybe FaceTime after you both do it. So you have that hit, like the dopamine I think comes yeah. up when you're doing these cold plunges and then you see your friend face to face and you're stimulating vagus 
vagal tone that way too, believe yeah. it or not. So these social interactions, so singing in a chorus, if you're someone that is has spiritual practices, singing group, chanting, going to church, any of those things where you're doing these things in a group, you can think to yourself, well, I'm really stimulating my vagus nerve yeah. and vagal tone at the same time. And it has a real impact. Cooking with your family, putting on music and dancing and singing while you're cooking with your family. Being intentional while yeah. you're cooking, even with your husband, just to say, in my mind, I'm going to stack vagal tone onto this thing I'm already doing and just say, I'm really going to connect with you because it is, it's the face, face-to-face interactions. This is also something that young children need. So, you know, any activity that you can involve your children with, it's powerful. And mm-hmm. then I would also say sort of out of the box, getting into some sort of community service or volunteer work. I know that can be difficult when you feel bad, but it goes back to my second point of you have to really commit to making this a priority in some capacity. It's so easy and it superpowers all the other work that you're doing. Anything that you're using, any other methodology, this is going to really impact it. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. I was thinking even when you're talking about the spiritual side of it and the community of it, and people don't even know, or like even sort of the modern music concert, Yes, they don't even know they're having some sort of mass communal vagal nerve primal thing. Yes. Go see more live music. I mean, and then be mindful of it. I think there's so much power to say like, I'm doing this and it's also helping me. It's to the good. It's to the good. Yes. Yeah. And I love the stacking method of it because this is something we talk about with patients all the time. I love that you're going to see your friends. So what are you doing before that to like also stimulate that? Yeah. Like we talk about simple things like humming deeply, like deep throat humming and gargling and like these very simple things you can do in your car on the way to go meet yes. someone. So it, I think the intentionality, Candice, of what you're talking about is mm-hmm. really special and what people really need to think about. Two devices, and I have no connection to them other than just knowing clinically the research around them. If people want to learn more about them, Sensate is one that I've experimented with, and Apollo Neuro is another one that I've experimented with. And both work on the vagus nerve, both work on these sort of low grade indirect stimulation that sort of provides this buzzing or haptic feedback, is what they call, mm-hmm. to create this parasympathetic resting, digesting response impacting the vagus nerve. So I, I find that to be complementary. Start with the things we're talking about here, but I think these devices can be complementary tools within the toolbox. Yeah. And if you are a tip for humming, you know, if there are lots of frequencies that you can like search, like, you know, just a, a calming frequency and it'll have a tone or a pitch and you could just sit and just hum along with the pitch and you can even turn it up so you no longer hear your own voice because a lot of people are very sensitive about the sound of their own voice so they may not sing with others you know hearing yourself on a podcast might be like oh my gosh (laughs) she's making that can be a barrier to talking to me humming is humming and singing is is like one of the like most impactful ways that you can really stimulate your vagus nerve, but people are so hesitant about it. So I would say you can hum along with the track, drown it out. A few other resources I just wanted to mention. Nerva yeah. is an app that works. It's all about the vagus nerve and you know, it's a little, it's a hypnotherapy app. So I, I know it's a great one to check out. I think the curable app, Love the curable app. they talk about this stuff and address it in a more cerebral way, but really mm-hmm. practical exercises. And then uh, there's a, a good friend of mine, but he does this work with sound and humming. So if that part's like, I want to know a little bit more about that, you can YouTube uh, Jim Donovan. He does humming practices and you can actually hum along with him like two or three minutes and he kind of walks you through it. So that's another good resource. Yeah, humming for vagal nerve. One other other device, if you're into the tech biohacking stuff that we've all experienced, or a lot of us in the patient team experimented with is happy. Yes. 
I, I agree. Happy. Happy, is happy good. Yeah, is another one. Not that you need all these devices, but these are just potential, some higher cost, like tech options and lower cost mm-hmm. practical YouTube videos that you can do. Yeah. So just like with the magnesium, don't go crazy with. Yeah, you don't need 50 of these <laughs> devices. Well, yeah, and it takes time. So you have to really map this over time and know that it's working and prioritize it. I, it you can't say that enough. You have to decide that this is important for yeah. you to see the results. And the results, the the ROI on it is just huge. Yeah. Well, it's like that going to the gym once, right? And saying, well, the gym didn't work for me. No. Yeah. Well, your nervous system is weak. You need to vagal. <laughs> you need weak. to tone that weak nerve. Yeah, and you say that all the time. Need, it's like an exercise. It's a, it is an exercise. For, well, most for your people vagal, would vagal. pick up a weight and walk away from it for a year and then come back and expect it because it's common sense to them. That your mind is the same way. Yeah. You can't walk away from something for a year and expect it to work as well as you would want it to. Yeah. You have to give it the attention it deserves. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave it with that tough love. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, that was, yes. Yeah. Tough love you love from Andrea. All right. Yeah. Uh, Sugar Free Leonard loves you. <laughs> and so does Rosie so, the re- regulated. Oh, that's right. And, <laughs> and so do I. That doesn't someone end it that way. And so do I. This has been an amazing episode. Thank you, my friends. If you want to learn more about the clinic work that we do like this, as well as lots of Different ways we're there for patients. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. Oh, and before we go, before we go, we have a special conversation with one of our telehealth patients. You can hear it from first firsthand what their experience is like in functional medicine. Lindsay, that the fact that we're talking in this capacity, I mean, I know you so well as your functional medicine doctor. This is something that's new, but I appreciate you taking the time out and sharing your story. I mean, you've been life-changing for me. I probably wouldn't even be sitting here if it wasn't for you. So I will make the time anytime. <laughs> I appreciate you so your help. Much. I mean, we, you and I have talked about this before, that when, you're, when someone's going through a dark place in their health journey, hearing somebody else that's walking the walk and even though healing is nonlinear and it's a journey for sure, but as sees more good days and bad days and it's having less severity and less frequency and just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel in their life, it can be hugely healing. So I know you, I, I won't speak for you, but I think you've been there before hearing people's stories and what it can do. Can, can you just tell us like when you were in that, in that space of your life, what he, hearing other people's journey meant to you? I've obviously, I mean, you've seen my full journey. There's been a lot of ups and downs and I feel like I have control over it and then something else will happen. And for me, the lowest point was after the E. coli infection where I was in and out of the hospital, no one could help me except for you. And I, it was Christmas Eve. Like we were in the middle of the pandemic, all the hospitals, there was like a, a six hour wait in an ambulance to even get into the hospitals because of COVID. And I literally thought there's no way I'm going to get my needs met during this time when I need it for other things. And I'm having this infection and the wheels are falling off and I couldn't go home and see my family at Christmas, which to you and me, like family is everything. And I, my husband was away with his family and I was just by myself. and. I remember it was Christmas Eve and 
two things were very helpful for me. One, I just like put on worship music because I was the lowest of the low. Like I had nothing else that could help me. I put on worship music and I just started like praising God. And I started also listening to other podcasts of women that had been through similar experiences. One, uh, I was like, Be Well by Kelly. I remember her story really helped me a lot, who I know you're friends with. And just hearing how these people were at the lowest point in their health journey, and then somehow miraculously made it out of that and are now thriving really inspired me. It, it made me feel like there's hope and the light at the end of the mm-hmm. tunnel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when we met, whatever you're comfortable with sharing, where were you at? And then I guess as with most people, when I'm meeting them, I'm not their first like rodeo. I'm not their first <laughs> round of like, they're smarter than most doctors are when it comes to health and wellness. And they've really exhausted all things that conventional healthcare has offered. It's not like they're non-compliant people, but you're still, you were still spinning your wheels. Like so many people that I, when, when I meet them, that's what they're going through. But can you share, give us some insight on where you were. My health journey started with taking an antibiotic called Cipro. This is like seven, eight years ago at this point. And my health started to slowly decline. And, but I was still functioning, still working, still working out. I just was starting to get a little petrified that the wheels on my health were falling off, but just kept living my life. And then in January, 2020, I got really sick and went from doctor to doctor, infectious disease specialist. They thought, oh, let's test you for Lyme. I went to a rheumatologist and that seemed to provide the most answers for me. And I got diagnosed with undifferentiated connective tissue disease, which is an autoimmune condition. And I thought, okay, well, now I have an answer. And they couldn't really tell me much. And I was with like the best MD in the United States. And looking back, like she was very open-minded during this journey, which is, I've heard very rare. So I'm very grateful for her, but they couldn't really tell me much. All they could say was like, here's a medrol pack. Here's prednisone. Here's some steroids. Oh, by the way, this might mess up your hormones. This might make this problem worse, but like you need to live on these for the rest of your life. And if you start these, it's really hard to get off them, but here, and they couldn't really tell me much. Like, is my lifespan shortened now with this diagnosis? What does this mean? Is this truly the full diagnosis? I still feel bad. Like this isn't helping. And I knew I just didn't, it didn't, that decision didn't sit right with me to just take steroids as my first option. If it came to that later on down the line, then I thought, okay, great. And then I like went to one more specialist and he said, you know, I think it's the autoimmune diagnosis is right on. Like you're having high ANA levels and um, all your symptoms are presenting as like autoimmune. So I thought, okay, that's it. Now in terms of treatment, like I know there has to be other options out there. And around that time, I read your book, The Inflammation Spectrum. And I thought, oh man, this guy knows so much about this. And I know that food is a big part of it. And also because the foods I I was eating were causing extreme reactions, which I'm sure they caused reactions for me before, but now I had a magnifying glass on it with all the inflammation in my system. 
So I reached out to you on Instagram and I was like, I'm reading your book right now. It's really helping me. I just got diagnosed with undifferentiated connective tissue disease. And I, at the time, didn't know you had a telehealth clinic. And I just felt like I want to talk to this guy. He's so smart and wrote this amazing book. And I want to get more pieces to put this puzzle together. And meanwhile, I'm like researching autoimmune conditions. I didn't know hardly anything about that. And it seemed to all click after I talked to you that I found out you had a telehealth center. And I, after like our first session together, our first appointment together, I felt like this sense of peace, like, okay, I'm with a doctor who hears me, sees me, understands the full picture and has knowledge about this autoimmune condition that many MDs I've talked to do not have. And you seem to get the whole picture of the body, the nervous system, how everything is connected. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, oh, let's treat your symptoms and throw on some steroids. I also knew that there were other options and you confirmed that than just the traditional treatment they throw at you. And I felt at ease, which I know when you get a diagnosis of any kind, there's like some relief, like, okay, but then there's also this scary part that comes with it. That's okay. Now I have to address this. I can't just sit by and like, let this happen and continue to live my life. And so for you, you brought all the pieces together and it was a sense of peace. Like, okay, I'm going to be taken care of with you and your team. And I'm going to be able to get back to living my life again and not neglect my health. I love that. And it, it, you know, we love you and it's a sacred responsibility for us to be a part of our patient's journey. And certainly we've got to know you really well. I mean, not just me, but the entire team. We're just, I mean, we consider you like family at this point. It's, and it's like, it, was there anything that was most surprising or shocking to you about like, I don't know, the labs or the process within functional medicine? I'm always curious, like in hindsight, like what your thoughts were. I'm like, we're making you go through this process or we're walking you through this process with you. Uh, what was it like for you? It, it made a lot of sense from the start that, oh, we want to test and not guess. So we want to test everything. And I thought, okay, we're a lot of stuff's going to come back, I'm sure, because it's been years of, of mm -hmm. this downward spiral. And it made me feel good about it rather than some of the other specialists I had been to, it was like, oh, we think this is it. Okay. Well, don't you want to test and confirm? Um, no, 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 that's too expensive. Or we don't want to like, we don't need to, we just know. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't really seem logical to me. But so when you guys said, oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z test, I thought, oh, thank goodness. Like we're going to have a clear cut answer. Mm -hmm. And some, I mean, at that point I was in so much pain and could barely get out of bed that I would have tried anything you guys threw at me. I was willing to do anything to feel better and to get my life back. Obviously, healing for many of our patients, it, it, we're talking about complex health issues where, as I mentioned earlier, it is nonlinear healing the process. We're still going through things now, but like, where are you at now versus when we first met? I mean, I'm... I'm not laying in bed anymore. I <laughs> have my job back. I'm able to work. I was able to go to France and get married. I 
was able to work out again. I just took my first hour long ballet class last week, which I never thought I would ever do again. And the journey has definitely had its ups and downs in terms of like, I hear like I had stable footing and then got the E. coli infection from food poisoning. Then I got hit with the flu. Then I got hit with COVID. So it's, and I had built up so many protective mechanisms in terms of like my nervous system and being stuck in this state of like fight or flight all the time, because I wanted to prevent a setback from happening after regaining my life back. I wanted to prevent a setback from happening at all costs. So my brain was constantly in fight or flight, like the state of dysautonomia. And I didn't realize how much, okay, we've healed a lot of the physical stuff, but the mental health stuff is something that uh, thankfully for you guys and my partner to open my eyes to this, like here, I thought, oh, I'm just going to keep like powering through. And it got to a state where I was so hypervigilant all the time that it was hard for me to even walk out of my front door and live my life again. And mm-hmm. especially after the pandemic and there were more threats out there in my mind, I had mm-hmm. to the past few months, I've had to really work hard thanks to recommendations from you guys um, and starting EMDR and starting uh, a program called Primal Trust that you put me on to really let those defense mechanisms down and do it in a way that's like top down, but also bottom up, like somatics, as well as like I, during the pandemic, I, I did CBT therapy every week and you can only think your way out of, of the state, uh, you can only go so far. And for me, I had gotten so out of touch with my body through this whole process that I didn't even realize it. And I didn't realize how much my mental health was affected. So the fact that you guys did recognize that and address that and thought, okay, let's stop the physical stuff for a minute and address the mental because they're one and one. And Mm -hmm. I I think for me, the, the, the biggest embarrassment of this whole health journey was, okay, I've made leaps and bounds in terms of the physical health, but my mental health is now so compromised where I'm just like crying nonstop and not a functioning human being to the level that I want to be. And the fact that you guys, no other doctor would have seen all of those puzzle pieces and put this together. And that's what I love so much about functional medicine is that you have the ability to see all these and to test all these things and to really focus on, on mental health as much as physical health. So that's the current obstacle. And I feel like now that we have started to address the mental health aspect, that the physical health is, is improving even more. Absolutely. You're right. It's it's so interconnected. And when you're someone's going through autoimmune flare-ups and and on top of that, they get hit with COVID or a flu. And what the what would you could be or someone in your position could be deemed by conventional criteria as it, at, at least at some point in their journey more immunocompromised, right? Yeah. They get hit harder typically, or they could get hit harder when they get a virus, et cetera, or E. coli, something like this. There's a lot of trauma, uh, as you know, from I don't want to ever feel like this again. And then foods involved. There's a lot of unpacking 
uh, to heal that trauma uh, that the look, the world as a whole went through during the pandemic, but people that have that went through what you went through through this time was even more isolated. And that can do a number on your nervous system on top of the physical stuff. So I look, it's it's about timing sometimes too, right? It's yeah. like you could not have, I mean, I'm not, I want to maybe push it, I'm posting this as a question, not as a statement, but I would assume you can't do all things at once. So it's almost like you, we had to get the physical health to the point of a good stable place to then we have enough bandwidth and resilience to cross the bridge of how mental health is impacting the physical health. What would you yeah. say to that? Yeah. I, I think if I had addressed the mental health and tried EMDR trauma therapy when I was 90 pounds and suffering from an E. coli infection in and out of the hospital, that it would have just traumatized me more. So you're right. There is the perfect timing for, th for things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like, what would you say to somebody out there that's like maybe not in a great place right now with their health? Any words of wisdom from further down the journey? I really love this book, this quote from, I really love your book in general, uh, gut feelings, but I loved this, this one chapter you wrote on anxiety and it says anxiety is an overestimation of danger plus an underestimation of your ability to cope. And that sums up exactly the mental health aspect that I was experiencing and I would just tell someone that's going through this journey that you're stronger than you think. And that sometimes the mind and the body like fool us into thinking like, oh, we're so weak. We wouldn't survive this. Like we should take more precautions. And it's a lie. And you just have to trust yourself, find the right team, and you're going to make it through this. It, I know it's scary. And I know you feel like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel, but there is. I have beautiful words. My, and my friend, I mean, throughout all, like the fact that you have reclaimed your health, you are doing amazing things. You have the energy and you have amazing things on the labs that you've seen improvements on. You're, now you're doing like five people's jobs. I feel like you're so busy <laughs> doing all the things. <laughs> can you break down? Like, I want people to go and support you. Like what, where can they listen to you? Cause you're doing some amazing things. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so <laughs> I, I I wanted to work after not being able to work for so long. I, I am still trying to, to master this work-life balance because I think that's really important. And also one of the reasons I had some of the health issues was that I didn't have uh, a strong work-life balance. It was all work, work, work. And so now that I'm able to work again, even though it doesn't sound like it from what you just said, I'm trying to really balance work-life balance. Um, I'm on a show called The Bag with Rashad Jennings and Lindsay McCormick that's with Sports Illustrated. It's a sports business show. You can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And then in, this kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the health journey is that my husband and I, I, as I'm researching trauma more and researching uh, PTSD, when your brain gets stuck in fight or flight all the time, one of the things I've read is the first thing to go is like your sense of creativity and your like childlike wonder and your ability to create something beautiful. And I wanted to lean more into that and try to pull my body out of this state of fight or flight and try to be more creative and bring back dance and bring back art 
and all these things I used to love as a kid. And my husband and I decided he had written this script and before we had taken it to the, um, his agent last time we did this and took him forever to package it together. Wanted to make sure it was all like within the agency. And I said to my husband this time, I was like, the script's really good. Like, I want to produce it for you. And he's like, okay, you have like bits and pieces of experience in this industry. Let me let like, okay, let's work on this together. And so the past few months, my husband and I started our own production company and are working on this uh, indie dark comedy film. And it's been fun in part of the health journey to get that creativity back and to find ways to not be so hyper-focused on health all the time and to find other interests. Because that's the other thing I noticed during this health journey is I really lost what am I passionate about? And I became so focused on like, how do I fix myself that I forgot the things I enjoyed in life and the things that aren't health related that are also beautiful and make a well-rounded life experience. And so that's been my focus the past few months is working on this film called Four Lock with my husband. I love it. Is there a release date? When when can we expect it? We're in pre-production. We've been meeting with different production companies and line producers, and it always takes forever to make something in Hollywood, yeah. but it's always well worth the wait. I love it. And where can people go to follow you on social media? Tell, tell them all the places to go. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at at Lindsay McCormick Sports or Twitter at at Lindsay M. Um, I forgot, I forgot my own <laughs> handle. <laughs> at Lindsay M underscore sports. But on Instagram at Lindsay McCormick Sports. <laughs> my friend, I appreciate you immensely. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's going to help so many people. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.